everyone, to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest now is Bruce Coffin, although some people know him as Bruce Robert Coffin. I guess there are a whole lot of them, so he's got to just tell you his middle name. But let me tell you how I met Bruce. We were at BoucherCon one year, and in Bruce walks, and he's just this gentle, tall giant. You cannot miss him. He towers above everybody else. And he walked in while I was in the middle of an interview, a live show, and I said, Oh, I know you were former law enforcement. And he just burst out laughing, and sure enough, he was. Um, Bruce is um, a for- <laughs> he is um, a former police officer. He was um, he supervised homicide and violent crime investigations for one of Maine's largest cities. Um, following the attacks in 9/11, he worked for four years investigating counterterrorism with the FBI, earning the director's award, the highest award a non-agent can receive. Um, He writes uh, a terrific series, a Detective John Byron mystery series. Um, We are going to talk to him tonight about this book. Welcome back to Authors on the Air, Bruce. I'm thrilled that you're here. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me back on, Pam. This is a uh, treat. Anytime, anytime you ask me, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. I want to thank you for the signed copy of the new book, Within Plain Sight. And so my first question to you is, you have such a perfect title that it's grammatically A+. plus. So instead of saying in plain sight, you put within plain sight. Why did you decide to do yeah. that? Uh, it's one of those things that's, to me, it, it always seemed like the way it should be said, and yet nobody ever says it that way. Um, and the other, of course, the other nice thing about that is you pick a title that isn't used to death, and, and in plain sight right. seems to be everywhere. It so is, I wanted to try indeed. to do something that was in keeping with the other titles as well. So I've got the, although that's not a true uh, prepositional phrase, I don't believe. It's uh, it's along the lines of the other three anyway, so. Right, right. And, and as usual, um, I always pick a double meaning. I always, I always want this, the title to have two meanings, so that you have absolutely. to kind of figure out what I'm doing to, to you, figure so. it out. Because beyond that, it was right. before that was beyond the truth, and then beneath the yeah. depths, among the shadows. So, yeah. so I yeah. like three word titles seem to really work. It has to be an odd number. It's one, three, five. Right. Um, you there's know, a, yeah. There's a. I think there's like a. It's almost like giving you a piece of a story by get, it's almost like you're getting a sentence as opposed to just a one word title or, you know, exactly. whatever. Uh, I exactly. kind of like that. It gives you a little bit better imagery. Yeah, I think it does. And I really, really enjoy your covers too. Um, I know that um, you, you have little say, I think as an author on your covers, but you can kind of say, this is what I'm looking for. I know you can't really poo poo them when you have um, a publisher, but your taught your books are beautiful. I mean, they're really well done. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, Do they give really you leeway? We, yeah, the, I mean, I get to tweak it, or I can say no. Um, really, only on the first book, only on Among the Shadows, was there uh, was there a choice. And uh, the gentleman that designs these covers for HarperCollins is named uh, Guido Karate, and Guido uh, is is excellent. They actually they hired out to have him do my first cover because he wasn't working for Harper at the time. He had his own company. And uh, then they hired him on. So he, he's continued my series. And he, uh, on the first book, he gave me two totally different covers to see what I thought. And wow. the one that they went with, with the, with the silhouette of John 
sort of looking out right. over the, the east end of the city was perfect. And I went, that's right. what I want. So they continued that. And really, it wasn't until this well, within plain sight, the fourth book, that they, they changed it up. So we, we did away with the silhouette. And uh, they went with a straight-up uh, cityscape from actually looking. That scene would be looking across uh, the bay from South Portland to Portland. And, wow. um And I think it works. I think it's beautiful. They did a really nice job. Oh, it is. It's really nice. Um, Before we get started talking about your own books, I want to talk to you about your contribution to Dark Yonder. Um, I think everybody in the world knows Eric Pruitt and knows about his bar Yonder. And Liam Sweeney came up with this idea to go ahead and gather some of the best crime writers there are, including yourself, to put a short story together. And the proceeds of which go to a food bank in Texas that was championed by Eric's late mom. Tell me about your story in Dark Yonder. Um, I really kind of enjoyed that. It was the first time that I had been able to do or been invited to do a story for an anthology where they actually had a theme. And uh, I know that's been kind of the running rage right now. Everybody's doing that. Since then, I've actually done another one uh, for for Josh Patcher that I think will come out at the end of the year. Oh yeah, and, Josh uh, told me, but he, it, it he told fun. me you were in it. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, that was fun yeah. too. Um, but yeah, yeah, I kind of like that. It's almost like um, what I was thinking of as I was doing it is uh, all the all the uh, artists. Remember back in the '80s, everybody switched over and started doing uh, soundtracks. Uh, yes. Ellen John started doing movie soundtracks. Kenny Loggins yes. started doing movie soundtracks. And I Absolutely. thought, geez, that's got to be cool. That you know, they give you a little bit of what it's about, so you have the parameters, and then. You know, you just kind of make up from there and kind of go with what you want, what you feel. And I thought that was awesome. I'm like, geez, a story about a bar? How, how can that go wrong? So right? I just kind of <laughs> wanted to have fun with it. And it's a little bit of a different story for me. It's it's not your you know your typical thing. There's a little more to it. So I thought that was a lot of fun. What is it? How, what were you, like 3,000 words on that? Uh, it's usually three to 5,000 words, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is the difference between writing a short story like that versus a full-length novel? You know, you, it's really a mindset you have to get into. Um, I, I started, I mean, I kind of uh, made earned my bones, I guess, on short stories. That's really what my thing was. That, that got me through high school. It got me through college. And, wow. Um, that's I really sort of when I was trying to write my first novel, I had the the short story idea for Foolproof that that ended up getting into best American mystery stories, and wow. um, the, the short story has never totally gone away from me, but it's it's such a weird thing because it's totally different than writing a novel, and yes. you you have to tell an entire story in really what amounts to you know a chapter, a cha- almost a that chapter, makes, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've, you know, Matt Coyle, who you're friends with also, is a host mm, in this yeah. network. And um, we published, this network writer, published, yeah, he is a very good writer. Um, and he's a, yeah. a really funny host. Um, we This network published a novel two years ago called Betrayed. It was um, stories of kick ass crime survivors. And the proceeds went to a domestic violence shelter because most people know I work with domestic violence victims, having been one myself. So, um, so uh, that, and I asked Matt to contribute, and he said, I don't know how to write a short story. And a lot of people, I, uh, writer friends of mine, have said, I, I can't write short stories. I don't know how to do it. So I guess there is, right. there is something to what you said. Can you tell us, I guess it's the, the, 
the background that you have to eliminate. You can't tell me what color the sky is or how many stars are out or anything, what, what type of shrubbery is in the scene. You really just have to get to the right. meat of it, the action, the characters, yeah. and the dialogue, right? Yeah, it's bare bones. I mean, you, you really have to be – You have to be. I think it's probably great practice. I mean, not, not in that it helps you write a novel, but I think it's great practice because you're practicing being a minimalist. Every yes. word has to do a, more than one job generally to be able to tell the story and, right. and still get that effect where people can visualize what, what's happening. So right. in a novel, I can, I can really stretch it out and tell you things. You know, I can space them out. Maybe I give you a, a glimpse of something in the first chapter and maybe I cement that for you by bringing it back up again and adding a little something in chapter four. Uh, right. In a short story, you've got to do it once. You know, that's all you get. Yeah. Um, uh, interesting enough, in Yonder, some of the contributors, your fellow contributors like Terry Lynn Coop and Liam Sweeney, mm-hmm. contributed to Betrayed, our book, and their short stories were really highly regarded. Um, some of my favorites, anyway. When Liam sent me his story, I said, Oh, you, he asked me to read it just as a short story for himself. And I said, Oh, you got to right. put this in the book. You got to put it in the, in yeah. the anthology. So, you know. Yeah. Um, There's some powerful yeah, stuff in there. Yeah, I, it's it's, and I want to do another one. I'm going to invite you to join us when we do another one. It's good. the first one was called Betrayed. The second one will be Empowered. So um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to invite you to join in if you if you find you have the time, you know, and be a part of right. that one also. Um, Bruce, you, it's interesting to me. You mentioned you got all through high school and college by writing short stories. So obviously, writing has always been a passion of yours. Um, yeah, it really has. You know, where did that come from? Who gave you your love of writing? You know, I think that really just came from the way I was brought up. Um, and, and we talk about this all the time, how quickly everything has changed. Um, yes. You not having a television, I'm, I'm envious of, actually, because I'm addicted <laughs> to, uh, to to movies and good TV shows. We watch a lot of the British crime shows and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I, I wasn't brought up like that. I mean, you know, we're all from the same age group here, I think, where I, yes. uh, you know, I didn't, we had three channels. And that's if you had pinpoint. Right. Um, you had CBS, so ABC, and NBC, me, and that was it. Yeah, that <laughs> was those it. Three. Yeah. And, yep. and I had, uh, and I had, you know, my parents read to me uh, every night before bed. Uh, they got me into that habit. And then I picked up reading myself and began to read longer and longer books. And I, and I loved you happen to use your imagination to read them. It wasn't like television yes. where everything yes. is played out for you and you just stare at it. Um, there was right. thinking involved. Really enjoyed that. Right. And then, um, you know, I, I, I sucked up as many stories. Like, and our teachers read to us in school. That was always a thing right after lunch. And uh, wow. the, I, the first reading I ever got of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was third grade. And uh, wow. she, the, our teacher read that to us every every day for an hour after lunch until the book was done. And I had to, I remember sitting there picturing everything that, that they were writing about, you know, I could picture everything, you know, and, uh, How wonderful. and that really, I think that that's where it started. And then, uh, Stephen King was pushed me right over the edge with Salem's lot that, that, that grabbed me. I, I knew I wanted to do this for a living after reading that book. Okay. So I'm admitting to you for the first time out loud on this show in public, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I have never read a Stephen King book. I am, I am scared to death of horror movies and horror <laughs> books. I am not kidding you. Well, when they used to have Bella, well, I know, but when I mean, I've seen a couple of the movies, you know, but right, I, right. I, when I get into a book, 
I am one of the characters in the book. I may be just on the periphery, but I'm a character in that book. And right. so you remember the old, um, like Bella Lugosi and you know all those old oh, black yeah. and white horror movies yeah. and everything. Yeah, Man, I would watch one of those. I'd have to crawl under the bed. I was so scared. I could never. I couldn't watch. <laughs> you know, you were entering the twilight zone. It would freak me out too much. And so, um, <laughs> although, although. At the top of my bucket list is to interview Stephen King, and even though every year when he comes out with a book, I write his. Did I lose you? I don't know what just happened. I don't know what just happened. That was really weird. Can you hear me now? What is going on? Can you hear me, Pam? 